Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into another edition of the Portas Nation Soccer Podcast. Very generic name. We're hoping you can help us also figure out a best name for this new soccer podcast. I'm Alex Parra. Beside me, I welcome in Mr. Victor Araiza. Victor, first of all, good day. How are you? Good, Alex. Uh, always a pleasure talking soccer here with you. And, you know, I think we'll, we'll figure out that name thing. But uh, the important thing is we got enough information coming out and we have plenty, plenty to talk about. We certainly do. And also, Victor, before we get started on this on the second edition, the second episode, I wanted to thank all the people that have been following us, that have been wishing us well. Uh, our mothers love what we do, and we're, we're very proud that they, uh, they're supporting us. Uh, lifetime supporters, right? Lifetime, yeah. It, it, the problem is when we don't show up for the meal and then maybe they don't uh, they don't support us, but they'll always be there. Friends, family, we, <laughs> we, we really appreciate all of your support. Victor, why don't we get started with the... Uh, the MLS team in, in Houston, the Houston Dynamo, successful week, I would say, overall, midweek at home at Shell Energy Stadium, finding a way to beat Columbus Crew 2-0, to zero. solid effort. Uh, ben also talking about the depth of his team, a team that's currently in the playoff picture. Yeah, it's been uh, some good times here for fans, right? It's, it's a nice little stretch uh, where the team came back from the League's Cup break. We, we certainly talked about it. Last week, obviously, they follow up on it with uh, with an important victory at home, getting three points over Columbus Crew, who are one of the contenders in MLS. Then uh, going to the LA Galaxy, getting a, maybe should have been a win on the road, uh, considering the way the game went. Um, but ultimately, you know, taking the point, uh, staying in that hunt for the MLS Cup playoffs. Uh, there's the international break now, so, you know, they'll have a little bit of time to regroup, which I think it's another... Um, Another benefit, right? Another little break that benefits the team. And uh, it's going to be a tough stretch coming back uh, in about three weeks of, uh, you know, two games a week before they break again and then they'll have that final game. So it looks like they're in the mix for the playoffs. Let's let's hope it turns out that way because it certainly it certainly seems like that that should be the way they end up. What, what, what do you attribute the, the, the change to, the, the, the finding a way to win? You know, so many coaches say winning's not easy. You don't take it for granted. It takes building a culture. You've lived this with the Houston Dynamo, covering the Dynamo on a day-to-day basis, Victor. It, it, it hasn't come easy. It's been years of trial and error, if you will, uh, years of connecting or trying to connect pieces and then being consistent, something I think we're finally seeing uh, with, with this Ben Olsen era. And, and that's a good thing, but 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 what do you attribute it to? Yeah, look, I think um, certainly the coach has to get uh, some credit for for the buy-in, but I think that the biggest difference, um, you know, respectfully, when we analyze uh, this team, uh, you have a Hector Herrera playing uh, some of his best soccer, at least since he arrived in Major League Soccer, and you have uh, a great midfield with the combination of Alberto Carrasqui, obviously both of them the previous two. Um, best players of the Gold Cup, uh, Arturo, who has been a, a big improvement over uh, the previous Matias Vera, and that has helped all phases, right? That has helped um, the defensive phase, that has helped, you know, the attack as well. Uh, right, obviously, having the most assists. I believe it's in MLS. Uh, yeah. He's a league leader so at, at the moment. So I think, to me, that is the biggest difference, right? If, if the previous coaches had these kinds of players or this midfield, I think that would change a lot, Um because I think uh, a lot of the same themes have been going on for years and years, right? Where where we get told, well, there you know, there's chances being created, they're just not putting them in the back of the net. Well, uh, some of these have been going uh, going in these, these past few games, and I think a lot of it has to be that uh, that leader in Herrera. 
Now, Ben Olsen is, is also a part of this. He's been in this league before, as you know, with DC United as a coach. He's played in this league. Does, does, is that a factor, Victor? It, we hear so much of getting to knowing and knowing the style and or the teams in the league in MLS and how that's different, for instance, to Liga MX or, or playing in, 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 uh, in, uh, in Serie A. And, and I get it. You have to have an idea of, of the way those worlds work. But, but why is it Ben Olsen's now in this position? Uh, and also behind that, what is Pat Olsen's role in all of this? Because both of them together are, are really building this team. And, and to me, this was Pat Olsen's make, make uh, make or break year, to be honest with you. And he knew that. He went into it knowing, look, I've got to now start showing results. I've had just enough time so that that pressure should be there. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is uh, there is um, a good, what's maybe the right word I'm looking for, um, uh, rhythm between everybody, right? I mean, it's it's a complete buy-in from, um, or, or, or I should say, uh, you know, combination between the, the head coach, right. uh, the general manager, and then you could even go all the way up uh, to the owner. I think they're all in the same on the same page. We put it that way. I think uh, when we analyzed last year, uh, certainly at the at the end of the year, some of the interviews, right? It sounded like maybe the coach Nagamura and, and the GM Osted were on the same page. Maybe that's what led to his firing. Uh, certainly, I don't know if that was exactly the case with uh, the previous, you know. Uh, tandem with Matt Jordan and Tab Ramos. Um, so I think that's the biggest thing, right? They all have each other's back. Um, you know, there is that camaraderie, right? I mean, Ben Olsen um, gave uh, Pat Onstead his first job in, in the coaching gig, uh, you know, goalkeeper coach in DC United. Sure. Now, you know, they're a bit in reverse. And I think that th that to me is, is the biggest thing, right? There's that unity there, which in turn kind of, you know, makes it to where, you know, Listen, we're, we're all on the same page. Are you guys all on the same page here, right? We saw, you know, players that didn't fit in this year, maybe like a Sebastian Ferreira. Um, he got uh, sent out, right? And they've given um, some of the other players, like Corey Baird, uh, more minutes. And then in turn, obviously, more minutes uh, leads to, to a little better play. Um, I think to me that th that's pretty much it, right? They're all, they're all in, the same, in the same hemisphere. And that helps, obviously, being being on the same page, to use a cliche, Victor, is, is part of, of any organization, of any team effort. And, and so far, so good, at least as far as Ben Olsen goes. I think it is now realistic to start thinking, this team can make the playoffs. It's a team that's having, uh, that's finding depth, it's finding, it's finding, it's picking up points away. I know for many years when, when I was part of the broadcast team in Spanish, getting a victory on the road was just unheard of. It, it, there was there was so many. I don't want to use the word excuses. There were so many explanation as to why that didn't happen. Right. But I, I honestly, I mean, the biggest thing this year too is just and it was in 2017 when they made the playoffs. Is that strong home record, which yeah. again they haven't been able to replicate in previous years. That if you want to talk about the road, I mean, I think last year they they probably had a better start to it again with Nagamura, and it seemed like that stuff was going to change. Um, you know, it is, uh, I think it, time will tell, right? Because I think it also helps that there has been winning results at first, uh, you know, with the hell and the shell playing at home. Um, we haven't seen this team necessarily uh, in bad times, right? And I think that's kind of where in the past things have unraveled and we've sort of seen, you know, where the marbles really land, right? 
so so that's also a good part of this season so far so good um in in the uh, in the tie against the galaxy which was a wide open game it was an exciting game i think both teams uh, looking for for the goal looking to to score looking to pick up three points we we saw goalkeeper tarbell really showing up both goalkeepers actually shining in in that in that game uh on the weekend but but talk to us a little bit about tarbell and him coming in to replace clark and and tarbell knowing his place and Clark still being the starter, I, I think it, it, it really showed the depth in that goalkeeping position, which is something in the past just didn't exist. Yeah, that, that's one where, where you got to give him a nod a little bit. Uh, they brought over Tarbo from, from Austin FC. Um, he was a backup there, you know, came over here. Obviously, there's a Columbus connection with, with uh, Onset used to be at Columbus. Yeah. Uh, so that the technical director, Asher Mendelssohn, some of the uh, you know, Artur used to be at Columbus. Some of these, some of these, uh, Steve Clark as well. Tarbell is another one, right? Um, and so, looks like at least in this one, um, Steve Clark had some hamstring issues. They didn't uh, want to risk him uh, to worsen the situation. Tarbell, who had been playing the Open Cup games, uh, you know, got the uh, got the start, and he he did good. Um, again, I think uh, you know this was. Probably a defensive setup here with Herrera, Caicedo, uh, Carrasquilla came off the bench, uh, sold our, our tour in the closing minutes. Um, so this was a strategy to go out and, and take a point on the road. And, and then I guess if you can get something on the counter, um, that certainly looked like that's what they were betting on a little bit as opposed to really going out and look for the game. Although they did have some good possession at times. Uh, I, I, I think it was a little bit of a missed opportunity because I think this was an awful Galaxy team yeah. still, right? I mean, uh, you know, Pooch couldn't get much going. Um, once they made themselves in the second half, that's when maybe you know you thought the Galaxy would do something at home. But um, uh, again, time will tell and see if these points uh, left on the road were um, were to be missed or or if it you know it ends up just you know being lost collateral. Uh, Victor, we saw some tired legs, and and you met, you, you you mentioned Carrasquilla not starting. Yeah. Uh, tired legs. Where I'm going with it is that showed actually for both teams, in my opinion, the Galaxy and the Dynamo. But uh, this this break couldn't have come at a better time, I think, for Ben Olsen's team uh, to get physically a little bit of rest and also mentally to to kind of prepare for the for the final stretch of the season. I don't know if you agree or disagree with that. We'll see, because <laughs> there's a. Uh... A bit of a wrench thrown into this. Uh, Hector Herrera got called up back to the Mexico national team, so Good we'll see how there, much yeah. he plays. Yeah. Um, you know, and and you always, you know, you knock on wood. There's no, there's no injuries. Uh, Carrasquilla will be heading over with Panama for, uh, I believe, the the Concacaf Nations League. So, um, again, I, I think you're hoping that everything goes well, that they don't have too many minutes, right? Uh, that is just kind of checking in with the national team. Um, but that's that's only one to watch, and, and hopefully they don't come back tired. Because I think, again, those are two key guys uh, in this whole scheme of things. That, that's what's happening on the field as far as the team goes. Uh, Victor, I wanted to mention and have your take on what's happening off the field. And, and what I mean by that is you were at Shell on, on, on Wednesday night when Columbus was in town. Again, not a full stadium. Um, there, there are so many reasons we keep rehashing why or why not. Do you believe the organization, well, they're aware of this clearly, are they moving toward a game plan to say, look, we're going to start doing this or that? Uh, because the winning's starting to come. So that's one of the ingredients in, hey, let's fill up the, 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 the Shell Energy Stadium. 
but 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 what else do you think they, they they might be planning or thinking about doing yeah we we've seen some things right um you know like a two tickets for 18 for the open cup semifinal um in the past we've seen the 713 i i don't know why we didn't see it for this columbus uh, game um there was something going around like uh you know concessions at a discount but i think i think to get into the building is still and i mean there's um there there's different tiers right so i mean you could probably get in for about 20 bucks or something like that um daniel mejia who does the spanish uh commentating he has this good saying where he's like uh you know quitenle la mora a los 20 dólares vayanse al estadio right like uh you know take the love away from 20 bucks just get to the stadium um i i don't i don't you know i that's part of it but i see the other part of it too is i think when your spanish commentators doing more marketing than than for than the team you know i think that's always kind of been the story it's houston dynamo um it's it's the fans it's you know sometimes even the, the media that covers the game i'm not talking about just media in general i'm talking about guys like you and me that you know i've been i've been consistently trying to to get this team to to be a winner um and besides that i mean i don't i don't know if there's much of a push I, i'd like to t- sit here and tell you that there's a strategy right um but you know it, it almost it, it's almost like there is but it's moving at a snail space right it's not uh it's not where it needs to be I, and i think that comes from the top that comes from the owner um having the right people in place that comes from wanting to get after it sooner rather than later and and hopefully we start to to see that uh again i think we mentioned it last week um while everything kind of seems so rosy, right, and in orange, you know, because of the Open Cup final, their playoff positioning, you know, there's season ticket members here, you know, telling us about um, change in ticket reps, right, the ongoing uh, change in staff, like we've seen in the past as well, which is why, you know, for me, it's almost deja vu with some of these things. Right. And and hopefully there is some some consistency in those departments, and hopefully there is a bigger push in those departments to uh, to get people out to games if, if indeed they're interested. I don't see again why why it's not the case. Uh, if they get to the playoffs, I'm sure they'll get some people in the building for the playoff games. But then what? Right? Where does it go from there? There's no there's no build. Uh, perfect example. I'll bring real quick uh, the Houston Dash. Right? Yep. They. Um, you know, they had a big crowd for their playoff game, uh, the biggest crowd they've had. Uh, they built it as a sellout, though it wasn't necessarily completely full. Um, but then what has been done on top of that, right? I mean, and, and that's that's always a story with this team. So it's, um, you know, and again, if we want to go deeper, which I'm sure we don't have enough time for, but, you know, it's it's 10 years of, uh, uh, of just the club downhill decline, uh, you don't just undo that in a couple of months, and and I still think even the team could could do a little bit more in, in trying to uh, to get out there. Um, with Victor Araiza, I'm Alex Parra talking here on the Portas Nation about soccer. Soccer starting off with the MLS with the Houston Dynamo, and, and let me throw something at you, uh, Victor, that I think is a factor. I, I think you correctly have mentioned the the years. I'm going to use this term of neglect for this team. The years of neglect from ownership, previous ownership, um, when it comes to 
to player uh, uh, um, uh, signings, when it comes to community engagement, when it comes to building something within the community. And, and, and I think a big part of it is something I, I live in, in, in another world, it, which is the youth soccer landscape. Um, the, the experiment, I'm going to call it that, to use a good term, of having a relationship with the Dynamo Dash Youth Soccer Club, uh, which now has dis been discontinued and no longer exists. That was, and it's on the record for many clubs, saying, look, you're competing directly against us in so many ways. How can you do that and then give us a call and ask us to buy season tickets? Th there was no logic to the long play here. And what I mean by that is they need to be leaders in our community. To me, Shell Stadium should be the cathedral to soccer in our town. And yeah. it hasn't been. And it hasn't been. So, so, so clearly, there's a lot of work to be done. It's not going to be solved in one year. And it's not going to be solved, to be honest with you. I'm going to go out this far. Even with winning an MLS championship, it, there's a lot more work that needs to be done beyond the first team and the first team's wins or losses or points in the standings. Well, I think they're far from competing for an MLS championship to start there, right? But no, I, I agree. And, and the other thing is the bigger question, honestly, is do they even want to be that link? Yeah. You know, do they even care uh, to be? I think what, what everybody here in, in, in the Houston soccer community uh, sees the potential for them to be. Um, like you mentioned, that years of neglect. Uh, for now, for the time being, I think the, the new owner, Ted Siegel, has a bit of benefit of the doubt because... You know, you can say, well, it's two years, uh, you know, things, you know, move Take in a process yeah. or in phases. Uh, okay. And you and you can buy some of that. But I do think that, uh, and, and uh, you know, I'm a little bit harsher than most. Um, I do think he's neglecting that side of it now. Uh, I'll, I'll go out there and say it because I don't think uh, there is a priority being put on, on some of these areas. Um, you know, I, I know there's... There's some buzzwords, right, like community uh, that, that, that gets thrown around, especially with the use of, of, of what they're doing with Dynamo Charities. And, and like I said, I, I, I commend the efforts that are being done, but I think there could be more being done still. Uh, stuff that doesn't cost a million dollars, right? Stuff that doesn't cost money. Just, you know, getting out of the building, doing the customer service. Um, again, maybe putting in the human resources into some of these uh, efforts. Um, I think those things would do more for for this team than fixing some seats in the stadium. But you know, that's that's my opinion. Well, well, Victor, I, th I think it's all of the above. To be honest, this 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 franchise has has been at such a a low level of of engagement, of success, of of even awareness in the community. That, that, that all of those things need to be done. So, uh, you know, I, I don't mind being critical, uh, uh, people being critical, but I also think about solutions. And, and I think part of it is that, an engagement, a consistency, and saying, look, we've been here for years now. We're going to continue to be here. How can we work together, soccer community, whether that's adult leagues, whether that's youth leagues, whether that's with colleges yeah. and universities? Uh, leadership, leadership, uh, Victor. And leadership doesn't mean buying market uh, it doesn't mean an agency coming in and coming up with a great, great slogan. You know, the current slogan, eh, contra todos, if I'm not mistaken. Hashtag yeah. contra todos, against everyone. Well, you know, I'm sure they paid somebody a lot of money for that one, and everyone can be critical of it. I um, hope not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, no, um, look, and, and I get it, right? Because it's, you know, it's the Houston against everybody mentality, right? That gets used in other sports. But but I, I, I'm with you there. I mean, I, I do think it's a little uh, antagonistic, I guess. You, you can say, I mean, I, I don't know if it necessarily applies uh, to this because I, again, this, this is a club that needs to have the open arms, that needs to be a bit more welcoming. Um, you know, maybe everybody hates it. I don't know if everybody hates it. I, you know, going back to the Robertson days, yeah. but, and, and this is what astounds me the most because, um, you know, in those days, right. What was the thing with, you know, where, where the team did, didn't know its future, didn't know if it was going to stay in Houston, wanted, you know, wanted people to support here and not happen, you know, not have happened what happened to the club in San Jose. Um, so the Chings, the Onstads, all these guys were, you know, as accessible as can be. And I still think, you know, since they got to the new stadium, now Shell Energy Stadium, the team hasn't been as accessible. E- even now, right, with, uh, with, with having one of the big stars in, in Hector Herrera, Mexican national team, um, you know, I think it, it still is that sort of, and maybe not completely. I don't want to like, but you know, put put words in their mouth. But, but I do think it is in that bubble. It is it. It is still sort of that mentality where, you know, hey, we'd love for you to support us. If you want to support us, great. But if you don't, okay. And and I think that old that other team, which again, Onstad was part of, which is to me the most confusing part why why it hasn't been more pushed right in, inside those offices by him specifically. Why isn't the team getting more out there? Why why you know, why is it just, all right, maybe after games you do the autographs, why isn't the team going out, having those same type of efforts that got them to be Houston's team in the first place? Victor, you mentioned a couple of things, and one of them in particular I'm going to pick up on. Uh, first of all, I want to use the word genuine. It, it, whatever you do it has to be genuine. People know the difference. People know the difference yeah. between you hiring a, a, a marketing company, paying them a lot of money to come up with a slogan. People have, can see through that now. And, and I hope that's not what this team falls into. And it could be for many reasons that they do head in that direction. One of the beautiful things I liked, I still love about the Houston Dash at the conclusion of their matches, if they're still doing it this season, I don't know. I haven't been out to too many to be completely transparent, is players staying around at the end of the match to greet fans, to greet family, to have that moment with them. Do you know how far that goes and that loyalty and the bond that's built between team and fan is huge? I don't think the Houston Dynamo are so big that they couldn't or shouldn't be doing that. I think to the contrary, unless, yeah. there's, unless there's league rules, uh, Victor, and, and, and it's not allowed and, and maybe, you know, well, we can't do that because then we'd have to do it in Miami. And do you think Messi's going to sit around and, and, uh, and sign autographs? Maybe that's the explanation for that. But b- having that closeness, that proximity to fans, to me, is huge. It, 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 it endears yourself yeah. to fans. And I think it keeps people, people coming back. How, how can we bring that love, like you said, at Robertson, that many of us lived, it, it was huge. For many people, this was my team. It was an opportunity to be part of something together. There's still a, a lot of fans that that feel that. Uh, I don't know if the organization understands that and has a way to use that energy. I don't think they do. I don't think they do, Alex. I don't think these are things they talk about. And and you know they you know I, well, I don't think they're going to welcome us into any of these meetings to be proven wrong. Um, but. I, I don't think these things are being talked about, right? Um, I, I think when something bothers them, that gets talked about. Sure. Um, but I, 
But I don't think, like you said, these kinds of things, you know, again, in, in the old stadium, there was a you know, certain section behind. And maybe it was just the way that Robertson was, right? And maybe maybe it's up to somebody, again, maybe the owner or somebody the owner appoints, uh, to figure out what's the best way. Um, again, that Columbus game the other night, um, there were some kids, there were some fans that wanted uh, an HH autograph and, Maybe don't have the the knowledge or the or the wherewithal to um, to know. Hey, go stand by the by the tunnel, right? Or go run over by the tunnel, and that's the best place to get autographs. Mm-hmm. They're kind of just there yelling, and nobody comes over to them, and it, it you know it, it doesn't happen, right? Um, and and I'm not saying all right, you know, you need to. Maybe you do. I don't know. Maybe a board demanding owner would say, hey, I need all of you guys to to make the rounds because you're not popular in this town. The people that we have. We got to treat them with, with, you know, with some tender, loving care. I don't know, right? I don't know if that's necessarily the, the approach, but I do think there's certainly more that can be done. That again doesn't doesn't cost um, doesn't cost a lot of money, right? It's just time. Uh, it's just putting it together. Um, the post game autograph stuff, right? I think it, I've seen it sort of on and off. Uh, you know, really, it's it's only three players at a time, right? Again, it's not like Robertson days where you just you know stand there and that's the exit or or something like that. Uh, the alumni stuff was great last year as a start, and I don't think I mean I, we saw it for the Open Cup, but I don't think we saw a, so. So all these things are kind of yeah, like yeah, trials, Victor, Victor, but there's but, nothing specific. Yeah. There's no strategy. Well, there's no strategy, it seems. But also, Victor, I I think when when you talk about the alumni. Guys like me remember them. I interacted with them. You remember them because you cover the team. There's an entire generation, Victor, that have no idea who these players were. They have no idea who Dominic Kinnear is. They have no idea that even the Dynamo won championships. There's a complete disconnect in that era. That that era has come and gone for many people. And it's like, okay, well, I don't know about that. They played at U of H at Robertson. What does that even mean? Uh, uh, and, 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 and I think it's part of building a legacy, building, building a tradition. We're going to talk about a tradition in a few minutes with U of H and Rice. It's something that needs to be nurtured and worked on. I think regardless of the final score, for people now to start thinking, you know, I used to go to the Dynamo games when I was young. Now I'm taking my young son or daughter to the matches. I yeah. think that that's something to work on. That's something that can bind you to, to, to the city as an organization. I, I, again, I'm not an expert. Uh, I don't pretend to be one. But I think, to me, these things are, are no-brainers, Victor. Um, is the organization thinking about these things? I don't know. I don't think so. And, it's, uh, and, I'm, and of course, they're one of several teams in MLS that, that have that problem. Uh, there's also teams in MLS that have set uh, that standard, right? Uh, the Seattle's, Portland's, Kansas City. When you go to these stadiums uh, around the league, you see the history, right? Uh, you get reminded of it. Uh, it it's not lost, to, to your point. And uh, absolutely, I mean, there's, we, we can have a, a whole day's worth of podcasts speaking of what, sure. what isn't being done and, and ideas of, and, and again, but it, I, I think the biggest thing too is just you and I don't have the power to implement it. Um, you know, Ted Siegel does, the people he hires does, and, and if they don't care to do it, then nobody's going to do it. Sure, sure. Well, talking a little bit Houston Dynamo, maybe a lot of Houston Dynamo here on our soccer podcast, Alex Parra, Victor Araiza. I mentioned the tradition that maybe should continue in our city. Victor, I go back to it as an old man in 19... 19- 
87 when I first arrived in the city full time. Uh, it was the dark ages of soccer. I still remember Pelé coming to a, I think it was Tully Stadium, an HISD stadium. Um, maybe, maybe 500 people showing up to, to be there for Pelé yeah. and, and friendlies. And I mentioned that because things have still gotten so much better. I'm an optimist, Victor, when it comes to where we are. We can be critical of an organization because we want them to improve. But these are still good moments for our city. And I wanted to kind of switch gears, if you don't mind, to the match that you and I were at this past Thursday night at Rice University. 18 times the University of Houston have played Rice in women's college soccer. An amazing environment. And to me, it's just years ahead of what, what I lived with when I was much younger. Yeah, um, and that's kind of where we want to we want to be, right? And again, not, not to knock too much on, on the Dynamo and Dash, right? But I mean, um, this, they should be present at these games, right? They, they, should, they should be involved with this and, and tied in in, in, some, in some way or form, not to steal the spotlight, but to accent the game itself, right? To, 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 to put a shine on it as well. And and there's some, you know, there's things these programs could be doing more as well. Um, but, you know, I think it's, yeah, it's all a work in progress. It, it sounds to me a little because, you know, again, just, just finishing off with, with the Dynamo stuff, like you said, if they, if they don't even touch their own history, um, that's a whole another conversation, just the history that came before them. It's almost like it doesn't exist. Yeah. Um, and, and I just remembered because you're mentioning Pelé, um, other teams around the league put pictures of, you know, when he passed away, they put pictures up of you know, whenever he played in Portland or whenever he, he was in Atlanta. Um, now that I think back to it, I don't think the Dynamo even acknowledged the death of, of what some regard as the greatest player of all time. And, and that kind of just shows you where the mentality is, where, where the lack of soccer people is. I, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't end without saying that. Um, but, but moving back to, to, you know the game the other night uh you know those are the things yeah that kind of fills you with hope um that that shows you that it you know this city is not just the the pro teams um a lot of this was also because of the interest from the two universities um you know i kind of mentioned to you the the rivalry i know you you kind of mentioned that it's not that much of a rivalry but you know i i think it is and especially i think it's maybe growing with with maybe the newer generation right um Certainly, when when I was going to college at U of H, I think it was it was kind of there. Um, maybe the programs weren't as good, uh, at, you know, to to kind of build it right. But I think certainly now with the advances of both schools, uh, it, it, there's more of a college. Tra- um, maybe tradition is not the maybe it is tradition, tradition, but also more of of what a college um, culture should be, right? What we see with with some of the other schools. Uh, forming here with, in particular here with, with UH and Rice. You, you look at the match uh, on Thursday night, uh, I, I easily to me that, that stadium was 80, 85% full. Um, not a huge stadium, but, but that's yeah. not the point. But we saw a cross-section of people, supporters for both teams, for U of H, for Rice. Engaged. We saw, engaged. We saw generations. I love seeing the ball boys and girls from, from Rice Soccer Club, by the way. And, 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 and that's the engagement. I'm going to call this to you again. Use a cliche, maybe a term we can all understand. That's grassroots soccer in our city. 
To me, our yeah. leaders need to be there to support, need to be there to organize. I'm going to say it also. They need to be there to market. It's a great opportunity to market to soccer people. So why not take that, that opportunity? So, so from the, 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 the look of where soccer is in the city, I was very happy and proud to see that. And, and Victor, we can't dismiss also that there are other uh, teams and organizations that, uh, that, that are in our city. Prairie View A&M has a, has a soccer program. What was HBU is now Houston Christian has a soccer program. Texas Southern University has a soccer program. St. Thomas has a soccer program. So there are yes. myriad of outlets locally at the university level where, where you can play and you can be a part of it. And, and again, again as, maybe as I get older, Victor, I'm realizing that, that it's good to have a, a generational track, a pathway, if you will, for, uh, for, 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 for what's coming in the future. The next generation's taken over. How can we better it? So from that side of it, I mean, you like to see that. You like to see more competition. Obviously, you're, you're starting to see, um, you know, more teams have better results, uh, now with U of H and the Big 12 and, and this winning start that they've had. Um, you know, it's all, it all looks on the up. And, and hopefully, you know, the other part of it is, um, that they can garner some more support, get more attention. Um, I, I know, for example, like maybe for U of H, this this last game, uh, you know, ten thirty a.m. kickoff on a Sunday um, isn't the, isn't the best uh, um, the best time, right? But I think um, you know, hopefully, there again, there there is something that can be built on this, and not just you know, sort of on and off like it has been in years before. Yeah, and let's talk a little bit about UH soccer. I, I, for full transparency, I'm part of the of the broadcasting team for matches at home for for University of Houston. Something I'm very proud of, and, and I do see it. I see the difference right now in the crowd. For instance, at Rice uh, versus versus Sunday mornings at at uh, at Carl Lewis International um, Complex. Now, the move of the time, of course, Victor, is because of the heat. Uh, it was an, originally a one o'clock start. Uh, but they are moving it back because it, it it is brutal to play in that heat. So I do understand that. I think it is right. about I think it is about marketing. And and look, they the university is not going to spend the dollars to market um, Big Twelve football coming to U of H as as they're doing with Big Twelve soccer. But but I do right. see steps forward. I, I don't want to be critical. And and believe me, I, I would say it even if I am part of the broadcast team as as an independent, hopefully objective uh, sports. Person, I don't dare call myself a journalist. Um, I, I would say, look, can things improve? Absolutely, but things have improved relative to the past. For every match that U of H is playing to be televised, ESPN Plus is a pay service. Yeah, can, yeah. Can, can they proliferate it and have a, a greater reach potentially? Do I hope that they do that? Absolutely, for the sake of the program. But but it steps in the right direction. Almost similar to the Houston Dynamo and Dash, it's, it's what's next. Is there a true, honest, genuine effort to continue to grow the program? I think what uh, Jaime Frias is doing on the field, uh, Victor, is huge. That team is undefeated. That team is playing very well. In their last match, 7-1 to was a final yeah. score, beating Louisiana Tech. Seven different players scoring. So as the team gets ready... For, to me, the real test, which is going to be, be Big 12 play, it's a team that apparently is headed in the right direction. No, absolutely. I mean, you, you spoke of the game earlier in the week. Uh, the, the quality of some of these goals were, were great. You can you can go on the highlights of some of these, uh, you know, these teams or social media. Uh, you can see the highlights of some of these goals. I mean, they're, it, it's some good soccer to see. And then hopefully they can get some good results because I think 
Um, you know, maybe some of the other teams uh, maybe overachieving, underachieving, right? I, I think uh, hopefully, um, hopefully soon we can start having some contenders from Texas for that uh, the national championship. I don't see a reason why, why we can't. So it'll be interesting to see U of H as they get into Big 12 play in, in the next couple of weeks and see how they do against the Texases of the world, the Baylors, the, uh, the Oklahomas, uh, right. the Texas Techs. I think, I think those will be some of the, uh, the, the true indicators of, of where this team is relative to that level of competition. Uh, Labor Day weekend, uh, we're wrapping it up. And, and traditionally, Victor, this is a time when uh, Labor Day tournaments are played in youth soccer as they get ready as youth teams, youth clubs get ready for the start of the season, which is traditionally the weekend after Labor Day. But one of the things, uh, and, and for full disclosure, again, I'm, I'm a director of a soccer club, SG1 Soccer Club in Houston. We, we are worried and concerned about the weather, uh, Victor. It's, it's gotten extremely hot, as all of you know. I believe now we've had 40-plus days of record highs, so that speaks to it. Do we ever get used to this? I don't know. But but my point in, in combining the heat and youth soccer is is that this is played now year-round. And, and weather is something we have to be aware of and, and be conscious yeah. of. And also, at the youth level, uh, Victor, our, our kids are playing uh, year-round. Our kids are playing two or three matches per day. Um, is that good? Is that bad? We have this debate internally. There are some teams that are able to do that, some players, others that maybe aren't or aren't quite ready. And it depends on age and other factors. But in general, how do you see the, the proliferation of, of, of the youth tournament? Youth tournaments, Victor, have become big business. Almost every weekend in major yeah. cities, you have entities that are coming in and organizing tournaments. And tournaments are not inexpensive. Parents now travel and, and go out of town. Uh, again, we as a club also manage the right time, the right place, the level of competition. But in general, you've seen a big turnaround, uh, Victor, from youth leagues that were local. And, and maybe once in a while there was travel outside. Now that's happening more and more frequently. Yeah, like you said, it's, it's, uh, it's big business, right? Um, I think that's just part of the... The way the, the sport has been commercialized, and I mean, it, I think, what's the right balance? I think maybe that's the yeah. question you're, you're probably asking. I, I, you know, I agree. Like if you're saying that the, the temperature is a factor, then um, you know, should teams be playing? Was it four games in it's packed in the weekend, or or you're playing, you know, group stage in the day, and then you know you're playing semifinals, finals uh, over the next couple of days? Obviously, like you mentioned, the travel, the expenses. Um, but I don't think that's going to change anytime soon, right? Uh, and, no. and ultimately, you know, what, what's the right thing to do? I think that's, that's part of why U.S. soccer is in place, right? That's part of the, the, the things that they have to oversee and, um, and see if the right measures are in place in, in different parts of the country. Yeah, well, look, Victor, I, I think that's the balance. Certainly at SG1, we're always searching to find that balance, preparing teams for, for our leagues. Um, tournaments have, have, have become also a great place to get maybe some competition that you don't normally see week in and week out. And, and it really is a balance of things in the preparation. And, and, and look, I, I grew up in the old days where we played maybe one match a week. And now even at the professional level, you're playing two, even three matches sometimes per week. Um, that takes its toll physically and mentally 
on, on teams. And at, at the youth level, you now have junior high soccer, Victor. You have, of course, high school soccer. There are some players that are playing year-round. There are some players that are playing on multiple teams year-round, getting private coaching, uh, getting uh, a, a physical training. And, and it speaks to, and this is where I'm going with this, Victor, that, that we didn't have, quote-unquote, these problems in the past. But I think it shows the growth, if you call it a problem, this situation. It, it shows the growth of the sport. And, it, it, and it's headed in that direction. It's already there. Um, I hear criticism about the pay-to-play model, but the appetite yeah. is there for families. And, and Victor, look, I'm a defender of pay-to-play. Our club is pay-to-play in that sense. But I, always, I also ask myself, where are we going to be able to find facilities, qualified coaches, the federation? You mentioned U.S. soccer. They're not providing that pro bono. Um, local and state governments aren't providing that pro bono. It's, 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 yes, it's, it's partly business, like, like, like other sports, Victor. Um, you, you know how much money is spent in, in almost every sport for kids that are trying to be competitive and get to the next level. So I, I think people don't see the full picture, at least from my perspective, when it comes to that argument. Yeah, and, and again, I think that's the thing, that there, there's several different perspectives, right? Um, certainly, you know, a lot of these soccer clubs are, are, are based in suburbs, right? Uh, so what's what's the, the state of the inner city game, yeah. right? You mentioned different things. Uh, there's club soccer, and, and, you know, it seems like that's more of the of the way to go unless you're you're set up in one of these uh, poor, well-funded high schools, right? Um, look, I'm on, I'm on the east side of town, uh, right over by the by Shell Energy Stadium. And, and to me, I, I look at all these high schools around here about the same state or worse than, than what they were when I was in school. Um, you know, the Milby's, the Austins, I mean, if, if you play soccer there, is it recreational? Do they even have a chance in high school soccer, right? Um, you know, is, is that part of U.S. soccer's responsibility or, or are they just, you know, just taking care of the affiliated clubs? I mean, I, I think uh, in a... In an ideal world, right, pay-to-play is not a problem if the opportunity is everywhere. But I think that's when people say pay-to-play, I think that's when they go, that the opportunity is really only if you pay to have the opportunity. Yeah. yeah. Now, and I, w- I would be clear for full disclosure, Victor, at SG1, I know we work very hard every year to offer scholarships to players. Uh, our commitment is that the financial side is not going to be the reason why a child cannot play at our club. And, and, and I believe there are many other clubs that have the same philosophy and open up the doors uh, for players yeah. that But there are clubs that don't. It. Yes. And, and there yes. are clubs that make big money. And, uh, you know, I've, you hear things, right? So, I mean, that, that's, again, is that up to U.S. soccer to regulate? Is it not? Uh, I think that's the biggest thing that, that that it just doesn't become full on commercial, and and lets people say. I mean, I think the biggest concern with the pay to play is that you maybe get uh, sort of uh, priced out, if we can put it that way. Sure, sure. No, look, and and let's let's save that that topic for another day because I think that that really has a lot of implications about where we are. Um, uh, we were there Thursday, Rice versus U of H. I can bet you, and I don't have this this stat, uh, Victor, that 95% of the players on that field came from competitive clubs that were in the pay-to-play model. And, and, and that says something about the, the investment necessary potentially to have those opportunities. Do I wish that every child 
would have the equal opportunity to be the best they can be, whether it's a soccer player or other things, 100%. And I think we as a culture, not only soccer culture, need to head in that direction. But maybe we do it one child at a time, Victor. Maybe we do it one group at a time. Maybe we do it one day at a time. Instead of believing, um, and I'm going to say this maybe controversially, that everybody deserves it, there are ways to put yourself in situations um, to, 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 to have opportunity. I'm going to maybe, maybe leave yeah. it at that. I, I don't know. I'll give you the last to word bring on it, that one. To bring it a little full circle, yeah. um, if the Dynamo and Dash had their ducks in a row, with some of the other things, right, that they've struggled with, the competition on the field, uh, you know, just that side of it. Um, then you can start to say, or even I guess maybe regardless of that, but I think they could be the equalizer, right, in in this community with, with the fundings that they have, um, with getting some of these schools here locally to, to have better programs to, you know, but you don't see that, right? The Dynamo Dash thing, I think you, you mentioned um, – everything I've seen from that program was that it was a big divider in the community. Um, you know, and, and again, the way that it was positioned by the team itself, uh, you know, I, I don't think tells the full story. And I think, you know, I'm sure we'll have time to, uh, to get to some of that, but just those are the things where, again, the pro club in town can be the, the great equalizer, the great connector to, to growing the sport in the city. Um, maybe also the the city itself, right? Harris County Sports Authority with, with the with the World Cup coming up. And, you know, I know they got to do some things in the community for uh, as part of the bid and all that stuff. Um, maybe we can see some programs from that uh, trickle into some of these communities. But uh, we'll see. But, but look, I go back to it, Victor. No matter what anybody does, to me, it has to be genuine. It has to be consistent. Otherwise, it's just a marketing uh, tool. And, yeah. and, and, and I've seen that so many times. Announcing this big uh, uh, um, uh, undertaking, at least big relative to what they're spending, and look what we're doing for the community. And, 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 and I love more fields. I love more facilities. It's all great. Keep doing it. And, and, and don't necessarily put out a press release. Do it because it's the right thing. I think that's the balance in all of this. Do it because it's the right thing and don't expect praise. That's going to endear you to the community long term. I'm here with Victor Araiza, Alex Parra. Thank you for joining us on the Portas Nation. We've talked a little bit about Houston soccer. Uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, the last team, at least on the pro level, the Houston Dash. Victor, the Dash uh, losing against San Diego uh, on the weekend. Yeah. It's, it's a team that is currently struggling to think about playoffs. We just mentioned earlier in, in this podcast uh, last year's playoff. Um, game uh, nearly, and, and we can debate the the final number. A full house at Shell Energy that may not even be in the cards this year, and and it's a team uh, that, that was headed in that direction. And, and now, where where is this team? What, what what does your sense tell you of of what's happened to the Dash this season on the field? Well, it's not a surprise. You, and if you think about it, they may looked out last year, right? Because I think they had the whole Clarkson thing where they ended up bringing in. Um, Juan Carlos Amoros as the coach, yeah. as the interim. Who did a he great got job. To the playoffs. He got him to the playoffs for the first time ever, and I, I yeah. still don't understand why they didn't keep the guy. I mean, I don't think there's uh, that. I can't imagine he demanded a gazillion dollars, uh, you know, to stay on board, right? I just, uh, 
but for whatever reason, apparently they, they didn't meet eye to eye. Uh, now he's with Gotham, and they seem to be heading towards the playoffs. Uh, certainly a better situation for him. Uh, the Dash wanted to go with, with, with Sam Blatty and, and start fresh. Um, but over and, and then just, you know, when you kind of start, you know, going into the team, similar to the Dynamo, right? They had a goal scorer last year in Ebony Salmon. Uh, that with the change of system this year, it's just uh, basically out of the picture. She wasn't even in this last game. Um, and so I think, you know, it, some of these moves, it's not hard to see. They're out of, we've seen their scoring struggles. They're, they're sort of out of the playoff picture now. I guess it's kind of like MLS where, you know, like half of the league gets in, so they're <laughs> technically not, not eliminated. But, sure. um, but I think, obviously, if this was a... Uh, if this was a dynamo itself, if this was the men's team, if this was a um, a team considered more important in the city, there, there'd be bigger pressure. There'd be a bigger spotlight. Uh, instead, it's kind of just wait and see, and nobody's really talking about the Houston Dash. No, no, they're not. And, 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 and that's one of the problems I have of, right. of what the thinking is. Not returning back to what are we doing with the community? How are we integrating ourselves to the community? The Latina players that we have on the team, are they out there in the community? Are they, are they helping us grow this? And, and look, I'm going to say this, and I'm probably going to get a nasty email about this. The NWSL and the Dash are not at the level of the MLS, and the MLS in the city is not at the level of the NFL. Those are facts, ladies and gentlemen. Whether right. you talk about budget, whether you talk about fan attendance, whether you talk about ratings, and, and, and there, I think there's a belief that the Dash should be considered similar to an NFL franchise. And the reality is that it's not. Accept that and do the best you can with that situation. That doesn't mean you accept underrepresentation. That doesn't mean you accept that, 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 that the league and the team isn't treated for what it is, a professional organization. But you've got to work at it, Victor. It's... it's, it's I'm not even going to go as far as putting it in soccer terms. Relative to the examples I gave you, the Astros, the Rockets, the Texans, the Dynamo, the Dash, we're talking already, if you take it in stages or levels or divisions, fourth or fifth division, you have to accept that. If not, you're not living in reality. It hurts me because I'm an advocate for women's soccer. I'm an advocate for the sport. But I think... Anything you do, you've got to have your feet on the ground and realize where you are and what, what you have to do to, work yeah. to get better. And again, I think it comes uh, demands from, from the team. Um, but I'll give you an example again. Uh, that UH Rice game, we were, we were at that game. Uh, you know, some, some young players um, found out Jane Campbell was in the stands. And, and, and those are the kind of things that, that the, the Dash and, and, and Dynamo 2 on the men's side should be doing more of uh, having their players, promoting their players in the community, you know, taking advantage of these type of opportunities. Um, if it wasn't because we put the video out, nobody would have known she was there, hmm. right? Uh, you know, those are the things the team should market or focus on marketing. Um, because again, it's, it's grassroots stuff, right? Not just, not just the wardrobes, not just, you know, all the other stuff that's, that's you know, cool on social media, which I, I'm not saying it isn't, that doesn't have a value, but I think you when know, we talked about the you know, the sport being commercialized, I, I think the balance is too much that way and not enough, at least in the middle, right? And yeah. I think again, we talked about the accessibility. It's 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 great that they sign autographs, uh, you know, at the stadium. 
what about the people that don't go to see them at the stadium? How are they going to pull them into the building, right? Um, you know, I get told that, the, you know, there's some tickets to give away. Um, and then maybe that helps to boost the attendance. I mean, I don't know if that's still, uh, you know, what's going on today. But, I mean, okay, that, that's great, you know, because you get people in the building and, and, you know, it helps concessions and, and merchandise sales and all that. But is that a sustainable model? How do you build on those visits, right? How do you grow the game? How do you get people to come back? Yeah, um, yeah I mean, same same problems that Dynamo have, and I think, you know, it just kind of flips over and, and again, you have less hands on deck than, than what you do with the men's team, which is what I think, you know, if we treated it like, like one of the other teams, we, we'd be putting a lot more criticism, a lot more pressure on why the Houston Dash um, aren't, aren't having a, a, a product that's up to par. Uh, I'll mention to you real quick, because I, I like this idea of the, of the broadcast on AT&T Sportsnet. But I hate it. Every time I listen, it, there's always a glitch. There's always something. There's always something wrong. And I know nobody ever wants to put that out. Nobody ever wants to, you know, dunk on the dash. But, I, I mean, again, these kinds of little production failures, right, where you're hearing the commentators on during the commercial break because it's a hot mic and, you know, or you're hearing static on the broadcast. You know, it's, it's you know, either do something right or, or, or don't do it at all, right? This wouldn't be acceptable for an Astros broadcast. This wouldn't be acceptable for a, for a, for a Rockets or, or a Texans broadcast. Why is it acceptable for the Houston Dash? Those kinds of things, right? And, and, I'm, and I'm just talking about the broadcast in particular. There's other aspects of the organization where it's the same thing. And it's certainly if we get to the, to the sporting side of things and why the results aren't um, better results, more winning results for a team that should be talking about a second consecutive playoff appearance and not being out of the mix. Uh, Victor, look, I, I, I think everything you said is spot on. And, and I know you, and, and hopefully, ladies and gentlemen, you get to know me as well. This comes from a place of caring. This comes from a place of how can we do better because we love this sport. Uh, but, but I think that's part of it, learning to accept criticism, learning also to, to listen to the community. Don't necessarily listen to Alex Parra. Listen to others. There's plenty of voices out there. And, and look, I, I want to close on an optimistic note, though, Victor, because to me this week was, was full of soccer-related news in our city. Uh, the Dynamo playing, the Dash uh, playing away, of course, uh, Houston playing Rice in, in women's college soccer. Relative to what I've lived in the city, these are good times. The product that's out there, Labor Day tournament with thousands of children playing the sport and, and playing in tournaments. Uh, there's so much more positive than negative. I certainly believe in, 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 in being genuine about how can we all come together and do this better? Because we can. Because we that love the sport shouldn't accept anymore that, well, we're not quite as good as. No, I think those days have changed. You know, earlier, and I, I don't think I'm being hypocritical when I say the, the levels of the NFL to the NWSL, but it doesn't mean we have to hide who we are. We have to come together to be stronger, Victor. And that's where I'm struggling to, to find a way to do it. Even at our club level, how do we come together with other youth clubs? How do we come together with universities? How do we come together with the pro teams? That's what we should be working at. But there's also within our soccer community and uh, our culture, Victor, too much jealousy, too much lack of trust. And that's part of the problem in Houston. And I think that's maybe something for another day where we talk to others and get voices about why we've never come together as a soccer city. And it's a shame. 
uh, but I think it's the reality, certainly the reality I've lived since the 80s here in Houston, Victor. I'll let you have the last word. Oh, could, couldn't have said it better. Uh, again, you say it's more positive than negative. It is. It is, but in many ways, it's still just the bare minimum. Yeah. Uh, and that's where, I mean, it could still be a whole lot better and, and be at uh, people that raise the bar. I mean, just, just think of, of what the city could be. Absolutely. Absolutely. As we wrap up the show today, we want to thank all of you for being with us. Victor, let's talk quickly about uh, the break, the international break. There are some friendlies going on. USA playing two matches in, uh, in Minnesota. Mexico playing matches also in the United States. Uh, Mexico taking on, I yeah. believe, uh, Australia and Uzbekistan. I'm interested to see what happens there. Uh, but once, once again, the Mexican national team playing at home at the AT&T Stadium in Dallas. Yeah, they're up in Dallas, and then they're over in Atlanta, and, and I think they're, uh, they're coming back in October, so they have to make the rounds. Again, we talk about the, the commercialization of, of the yeah. sport. Mexico playing playing in the United States uh, home game. So that, that's part of it. Obviously, the USA, you mentioned Minnesota. I think uh, the first game also in, in St. Louis, so that'll be a special moment, even if it's uh, also against uh, Uzbekistan. Um, yeah, uh, welcome qualifiers starting for some countries, uh, like Argentina, who's calling up three players from the MLS. Uh, one of them, obviously, Messi, and, and the other two, uh, FC Dallas' is Alan Velasco, uh, Thiago Almada from, from Atlanta, who obviously was part of that World Cup roster. Um, so, yeah, a lot of soccer coming our way as we uh, we got Copa America next year. We have the uh, the World Cup here in 2026. And, and then, uh, again, Women's World Cup uh, still uh, TBD. Um, so we'll see where that is in 2027. Where that goes. Before we wrap up, uh, ladies and gentlemen, friends that follow us, send us your questions, your comments. You can find us on social media. We'd love to hear from you. Number one, are you enjoying this uh, podcast? We we have a long version, which you'll probably hear via audio. Then we have shorter segments. We're chopping it via video. So, well, maybe we sh you'll see Victor a lot more than, than this old guy over here. But, but we enjoy doing this, and, and we also want to make sure we include you. Victor, as we wrap up, what are you looking forward to this coming week before we do our next podcast? Uh, NWSL uh, continues, if I'm not mistaken. MLS taking a break, so we'll, we'll watch international friendlies. Some more college soccer going on. A lot of it. Again, these, these, these are good times for soccer in our city, in our state, and, and, and I couldn't be more excited about what, what's here and what's to come. Yeah, a lot of what you said, all of the above, uh, especially uh, the international soccer coming up. Well, I'm sure there's plenty to talk about from there. There you have it. So, uh, Victor, thanks for being with us. We really, really do appreciate it. More importantly, ladies and gentlemen, friends, thank you for taking the time to be with us and to follow us. So on behalf of our production team, on behalf of Victor at ISA, I'm Alex Parra. We Thank you very much for being with us. And until next time when we meet here on Deportes Nation, this not officially named soccer podcast. <laughs>